blood, we've got destroyers, so you know what that means. Welcome to another exciting episode of Blood and Destroyers, an all-elite wrestling podcast brought to you by RPGera.com, where we discuss the latest happenings in and around the exciting world of AEW. I, of course, am your host, Brian, and joining me on the show today, he is the undisputed troll, Seth. <laughs> Welcome back to the show, Seth. Oh, thanks for having me back. I don't know how long it'll last, but yeah, it's good to be here while I'm here. Three weeks now. Three weeks right. in a row. Never never thought you'd make it three weeks. Thought you'd have been <laughs> fired by now, but here you are. And, I thought you'd uh, have cut me off after the intro in the first uh, first podcast. Like, nope. once, we heard, once we heard your voice, like, oh, no, no, we can't yeah. have that. So we're just going to change up your uh, your nickname every single week. This week, you are the Undisputed Troll. Okay. It works well. That works. It works, works well. I think it describes you well. <laughs> Spe- special shout out to Akam's Laser for the excellent intro theme to the podcast. Go check them out wherever you can find music and people, including YouTube, Spotify, SoundCloud, Bandcamp, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You won't be disappointed. I will say, though, Kyle kind of took your uh, your crown of, of King Troll there in the uh, meme channel last night, putting things up there for everybody on RPG era staff. He went for it, right? He went for it, man. He went for the jugulars. He went for my hairline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not like, dude, cool, that's why I wear the bandanas. Cool. You don't yeah. have to point that out. The bandanas cover it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Please take a moment and do us a favor from Be So Kind. Head on over to Apple Podcast or whatever app that you've chosen to listen to us on and leave us a quick rating and a review on there. It really does help out in terms of visibility so that our show continues to grow. And remember, we are on Patreon now, patreon.com forward slash RPG era. You can head on over there, check out our tiers, see what we're doing. And if you feel inclined, toss us a couple bucks each month. It really does help out in terms of producing content and making sure that hopefully one day we'll be able to turn this into a full-time job for all of us. That's the goal. That is Yeah, the goal. I need pay in, Brian, just to let you know. Yeah, I gotta I gotta I gotta say what do you what do you guys use over there? You use pounds or something, right? You guys are, Yeah, pounds sterling, yeah, real money. Yeah, I'll send you I'll send you some of the pounds that I've been shedding over the uh, yeah. over the last few months. Send it over your way. You can you can pack those on. Cool. Yeah, I've got enough of those pains already. <laughs> Shed my own, thanks. <laughs> Sev, it's been a crazy week. And before yep. we start talking about results from AEW content over the past week, we would be doing a major disservice if we did not discuss here, just for a few minutes at the beginning of the show, the ongoing issue between Big Swole and Tony Khan right now. This mm-hmm. this has been exploding over the past few days. Big Swole has her own podcast or show, right? That's where this all stemmed from. And oh, I did not know that. Yeah, I think it was on that. And she was talking on that show or that video. If it's not a show, if it was just a one-off video, I'm not 100% sure. Um, but she was talking on there about her exit from AEW. And how she just felt that there needed to be some structure changes within AEW and her heart was no longer in it and more or less determined that AEW is not in the best way to put it racially diverse. Right. And after that came out, it took what Tony Khan, maybe an hour or two. It wasn't very long to put out a tweet saying that there are several executives within AEW that are of color, pointed out all of the uh, all of the racially diverse wrestlers that they have in programs, you know, harping on the the Latinos as well instead of just, you know, African-Americans. Obviously, we had mm-hmm. a lot of, of Japanese representation there as well. And I will say I do think that AEW's roster is pretty diverse. However, going along the lines of Big Swole, and this is kind of like, for me, I can see both sides here. I do. I see both sides to the coin, and there are aspects of each side that I agree with. Do I think that this entire thing has been blown completely out of proportion? Yes, 100%. I do. I absolutely do. I see both sides of the coin, but I do think Mm -hmm. that this entire thing has been blown completely out of proportion. So, Sev, as somebody who I'm sure has been following along with this story and on social media since it happened over the last few days, what do you think of the situation here between Big Swole, Tony Khan, and the allegations that AEW is racist, I guess, is the best way to put it? 
Okay, so yeah, this is all I've been seeing on my feeds for the past few days, and I've I've looked into it. I've read lots of people's comments. I've seen lots of lots of sides to lots of people's interpretations on their sides of the story. Um, me personally, I don't like to offend people. I don't want to say the wrong thing here. Um, I don't believe AEW is a racist company at all. They are they are very diverse. I can see where Swole's coming from that there's not that much uh, African American representation in AEW. But then also on the same lines, there are only so many spots at the top of the roster. Uh, it's, it's still only a young company. We will get these people. The, what was it, I've seen the, the women's championship. Uh, we've had two uh, Asians and we've had a transgender person. Uh, they've all been champions. We've got, we've got diversity across the board from all different regions. It just happens to be at the moment that there isn't that defining um, African-American male singles wrestler, I think is what most people are harping on, um, who's at the top of the card. Uh, and for me personally, there isn't any um, African-American male in AEW at the moment that should be at the top of the roster, in my opinion. And that's not to take away from anyone who is there who is working hard. But there's no one at the level of what well, we've got Danielson and Punk and Page and Omega. Right. And, and that has a lot to do with just the free agency landscape when AEW started. Right. Yeah. And and how I guess I, I guess WWE right now. Because I did just watch day one yesterday. I, yeah. you know, that's the first time that I've actually watched a WWE program since I want to say SummerSlam. I know I had Survivor Series on in the background, but I barely paid attention to it. I know right. I watched a little bit of SummerSlam. Um, day one was okay. Like there were some good matches. There were some some exciting things that happened. But when you look at like the New Day, like Big mm-hmm. E or Kofi or Xavier Woods. I don't know that there is anybody on that same talent level in AEW that is of color. Like, the only one that I would say theoretically probably should be higher up on the card and maybe start cracking his way into the main event scene would be Jay Lethal. Okay, but again, he's he's been there, what, a couple of weeks? Has he even signed? Has he signed yet? He signed officially, yes. Right, okay. He debuted, what, after, it was after Danielson and Cole. So this was at Full Gear, where Jay Lethal showed up, right? So he's yeah. been there for almost two months now, maybe, right around two months at this point. So he is just obviously fresh. They haven't really used him much, I will say that, since he's gotten there. He's only had one maybe two matches so i think maybe we might all be jumping the gun a little bit here and tk might be waiting for uh the page danielson bit to be over and then the next person up into that into danielson spot is going to be jay lethal so well see here's here's my here's my fear here's my fear first of all i don't want this to scare anybody that has you know and theoretically it's probably just tony khan right because he is the sole like creative person and booker in in AEW. I don't necessarily want this to scare him into like, oh my God, I have to put Powerhouse Hobbs in the main event or oh my God, I have to put, uh, I mean, Dante Martin has been in the main event pretty consistently and is fucking amazing. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. fucking amazing for AEW. But I don't want them to just like change course because of some comments from Big Swole. Do I think Tony Khan should have said that she isn't a good wrestler? No, I actually think that was kind of shitty. Yeah, because yeah, I agree with that. she's not a bad wrestler. She actually, if, if you remember, was getting pushed pretty heavily there during her program with Britt Baker and stuff before she succumbed to some injuries and some health mm-hmm. issues that had been ongoing for her. And, you know, she she much like somebody like Lana in WWE was making a lot of strides and improvement there in in her career when she was being heavily featured. So saying that I just don't think she was that good probably was not the best move in terms of like a PR move. <laughs> no, PR wise, no. Uh, but in, on the other hand, like we have a saying over here is chat shit, get banged, uh, which basically means if you clap out at someone, you expect to be clapped back. Um, right. Yeah. So, and that's exactly what he did, right? He, and yeah. he he is of that kind of personality. And, and I think it's pretty apparent with Tony Khan that if you criticize him or if you say something negative, 
that might not necessarily be true, he's not going to hold back. Yeah. And I and I don't necessarily agree with that aspect, right? Like I I think there is a time and place to say things. I think there is a time and place to to just keep your mouth shut. And this might have been one of those moments where saying nothing likely would have been a better decision than saying anything at all. Um, you know, one of my other biggest fears actually is that I I fully think even before this happened, Jade Cargill was destined to win the TBS title. Now yeah. I feel like when she does People are just going to assume it's because of this. Yeah, and there will be the people who haven't been paying attention the whole time. Um, people who've not been watching week in and week out. Because anyone who has been watching week in and week out can see that Jade Cargill was, was destined for a championship belt the second she walked. And she's ball. another one that we have to mention. That like, you, you just look at her. She's got so much presence, so much star power. Mm-hmm. She has the it factor, and she is racially diverse. She and she's and at the was, top of the women's division. There was there was a tweet that was uh, shared around. That I think it was in October. That was like, oh, who's going to be the first TBS champion? It was pictured Jade Cargill, and uh, with Big Swole responding with. Uh, it should be it should be it should be the one you owe but i guess it's going to be jade uh meaning that she she believes she's owed that championship and not jade and i don't think anybody's owed anything i think you have to earn it and i feel like jade earned it more yeah and wrestling's a very fickle business like you've got to have you've got to have fickle. the fact that you fickle um you've got to have <laughs> the it factor you've got to, you've got to get over and you've got to keep the crowd over and once you start start losing momentum there'll always be someone else to take your place um and take right. your spot look at hook um right <laughs> i don't care about punk anymore mate i just want a hook i just want hook i just want right. hook every segment at this point hook in every match <laughs> make it happen make it happen i hope this calms down over the next week or so, because mm-hmm. it has been a very sensitive topic and touchy topic over the past few days as we've gotten into the new year. I hope that this isn't how 2022 is just going to be, because we've already been, you know, through two shitty years back to back with 2020 and 2021. Obviously, everybody is looking ahead to 2022 with high hopes. I'm not convinced. I think 2022 <laughs> is going to be a pretty bad year. <laughs> Burn it all down. Yeah. Seth Rollins, man. Burn it down. Right. Freaking. Uh, speaking of WWE, though, we did have something kind of transpire during the last seven days in that camp as well on the subject of Tony Storm. And I do want to mention this before we start recapping Elevation and Dark, because I feel like Tony Storm is someone we will be mentioning often in a couple more months here on the show. Um, yeah. So she recently requested her release from WWE after being heavily featured on SmackDown in the women's program with uh, Charlotte. It really felt like they were building her up to be a future champion on the SmackDown brand. However... I did see a report that they constantly kept changing plans for her and changing her schedule around and changing her travel. And Tony Storm just got burnt out. And that only happened after, what, three years of being in WWE? She started with the Mae Young Classic in 2017. I think she was officially signed come the spring or summer of 2018, and she's already gone. So that just shows you right there how stressful the travel schedule actually is in WWE. And when you come from outside, when you come from, you know, a a British promotion or when you come from New Japan or when you come from anywhere that doesn't have the the same travel schedule regiment that WWE does, it's going to take a toll on you for sure. And that's what happened with her. So I don't blame her at all. I actually respect the shit out of her that she requested a release and wanted to just be happier. Like, I want to be happier in 2022. That's one of my main resolutions for this year. Go listen to Max Level. That's my main resolution for 2022. Just be happier. Yeah, it's a shame she's gone, but I hope she turns up somewhere else um, and does better. Go make an Everything I saw is there's, there's a strong belief that she will end up in AEW because their schedule is a lot lighter. She would have a much easier time with travel. You know, they only do sometimes just one show a week, right, where they tape Dynamite and and Rampage outside of, like, uh, one-off nights or weekends at Universal Studios taping Dark. Like, that's not that bad of a travel schedule. She is under a 90-day non-compete, so since she was just released, we would have to wait until sometime in March. So maybe Tony Storm, uh, hell, maybe if she's lucky, she shows up at Revolution, if it's it's in time. Maybe. Is she she engaged to uh, Juice Robinson? I think so. 
Yeah, so is he, uh, do we know if he's like a mainstay? I know he's an impact at the moment. Is he like mainstay in there or is he just floating until he goes back to New Japan? I think he's floating between impact in, in New Japan until yeah. until like the travel restrictions are, are easier to come by and, and everything, you know, going back and forth between the countries with the pandemic. I don't know if I want Finn Juice in AEW, honestly, because the tag division is so stacked. And it's, it's about swollen. to get, it's swollen for sure. <laughs> it's definitely about to get even bigger, right? We just obviously had Kyle O'Reilly show up. So yeah, uh, Redragon is, is back in full force in the tag division. I'm going to have to assume it's only a matter of time before the Briscoes show up. Mm-hmm. I don't know that there is room right now for Finn Juice. They're unique. And they have a very, you know, high energy style, but I think that their style clashes a little bit with what the Young Bucks are doing as well. Right, okay. So I don't know that there's room for them in AEW. There is room for Tony Storm, though, 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The women's, the, the women's division can always use people with her skills and that type of experience. Yeah. Definitely. So... We're going to have to be keeping an eye on that. I fully expect Tony Storm to end up in AEW by, honestly, by the summer, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was sooner than that. So we'll have to see what happens. But since we've been talking about it, let's go ahead and start running down the results from last week from Elevation and Dark. We'll kick things off as we always do with Elevation from last Monday, December 27th. We had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight matches on the show. Alex Reynolds, John Silver, and 10 defeated Brandon Scott, Fodder, and J.R. Miller in some trios action. Thunder Rosa defeated Danny Moe. Anthony Agogo defeated Duncan Mitchell. I'm sure you're glad to see uh, Anthony Agogo back representing your homeland. The governor. What is it that Brit- British wrestlers, when they come over, usually get a nickname like the governor? Absolutely what's, r- what's wrong with governor? Hey, governor. Because <laughs> we don't really say it right here. It's a stereotype. <laughs> <laughs> I only hear governor when you guys take the mick out of me. That's 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 what we do, man. Yeah. We take something and we run with it. Hey, governor. Yeah. Santana and Ortiz defeated movie Mike and Alexander Moss. Sean Spears defeated Lee Moriarty. The Gun Club defeated Evil Uno, Stu Grayson, and Alan Angels. Ty Conti and Anna Jay defeated Emi Sakura and Diamante. And then in the main event, Matt Hardy defeated Darius Lockhart. Darius Lockhart, actually somebody that uh, was very vocal during the big swole Tony Khan debacle over the last few days and said that he no longer wanted to be associated with this because of all the ongoing issues. Like he took, uh, he took offense to it much like Leo Rush did very strongly. Yeah. And I think they were, um, yeah, very, very quick take offense. At it, in my opinion, I've seen Leo Rush. Uh, he's he did tweet, he did tweet out like, a. Not necessarily, right, not necessarily like a backpedal, but it sounds like he obviously after putting out those tweets did have a sit down with Tony Khan and the girl who is in charge of the HR for AEW and things were smoothed over. At least Mm -hmm. that's what it appears. I have a feeling some aspects of his apology were mandated. (laughs) 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 Most likely. But either way, I hope this situation um, is able to get cleared up because it, it really is messy. It really is. Yeah, and it didn't need to get this far. Oh. No. Like I said, this has been blown way out of proportion. Yeah. Moving on to Dark from December 28th, we had 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 matches. Anna Jay defeated Reki Tahaka. The Blade defeated Toa Leonoa. Wardlow defeated Casanova. Diamante defeated Shauna Reed. Tony Nice defeated Anthony Green. The Bunny defeated Kylan King. The Acclaimed defeated Bear Country. Sky Blue defeated Ashley Dambois. Orange Cassidy and Wheeler Utah defeated Peter Avalon and Scissor Bononi. And then in the main event, which was a really good match, no disqualification, no countout, no rules, Joey Janela defeated Sonny Kiss to, I assume, end their feud. Okay, I've not, uh, I've got Dark on in the background as usual, uh, so I've not got to the uh, Joey Janela Sonny Kiss match yet. But I'm looking forward. Yeah, it was to that it was one. pretty entertaining. Obviously, their entire feud has been kind of relegated to to dark and and sometimes elevation uh it's not very often that we've seen it spill over onto dynamite and rampage i think we might have seen it like once or twice on on one of those shows but yeah. this has been pretty much a 
dark feud over the last several months that's been pretty entertaining. Cool. I don't mind that. One of my favorite feuds uh, from AEW was uh, on Dark with the Brandon Cutler, Peter Avalon. I really oh my god, that, one. that was so much fun. Yeah. That was, that that was so absolutely stupid. so much fun. Um, but but so but much yeah. fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I do want to make a point of saying, who was it that faced uh, the Blade? Was it Toa Loa Awo? Or what did you say his name was? Toa Leonoa. Totally know it. That's the first time I've seen him. That guy's hench. That's my res- resolution for 2022. I want to walk out of 2022 looking like that. <laughs> what a beast. Yeah, man. He is uh he is a big freaking dude. Kind of looks like like Braun Strowman a little bit, right? Sorta mm-hmm. sorta has that uh that physique, that aspect. You know who else he kind of looks like too? Um uh uh one half of the the Viking Raiders uh, war machine, uh, what they yeah, used to yeah. be. Uh, what's his name? Evil, not not. Iborn. Yeah, that one. He kind of <laughs> looks like him too. Now is he? One of them. Is he part of the Samoan dynasty? He looked like he was Samoan descent, but I don't know. He, oh, he's he definitely from the... Samoa, but I don't no, know no, if he's, he's related to. This is the out. Yeah. If he's related to Haku, or if he's related to you know Roman Reigns or anything like I don't know yeah. if he's actually part of that family or if he's just another you know Samoan wrestler that is fucking jacked and looks really impressive. I actually think he has a bright future. I would not be shocked to see more of him. Oh no, yeah, I saw him for like thirty seconds. Was like that, that dude's got he's got a look. He's got the muscle. And I was actually surprised the that they fed him to the blade. Right? Like, I was surprised that they fed him to the Blade for the first time seeing him. Not that there's anything wrong with the Blade, but you would think someone of his physique and and caliber might get a win against somebody like, I don't know, Casanova, like Wardlow did. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Somebody that doesn't look as impressive. Mm -hmm. But it's still impressive at the same time. Dark was fun this week. I enjoyed it. Um, I actually enjoyed Elevation, too. It was, it was a pretty solid week of of YouTube content from AEW. Like I said, they are the perfect shows to put on and just have on up on a second monitor or have up on the TV when you're when you're doing other things. They don't require a lot of attention like Dynamite and Rampage do. Yeah. Um, they are perfect shows for that. They really are. But moving on to Dynamite, we have a lot to talk about here. We have eight takeaways from this past Wednesday. New Year's Smash in Jacksonville, Florida. The final Dynamite on TNT before they move to uh, TBS next Wednesday night, which should be entertaining. Yeah. I'm hoping so that they're, uh, I'm hoping that their, you know, numbers don't take a drastic hit. They shouldn't. TBS has the same reach as TNT. Likely everybody that watches is going to follow over to TBS anyway. So I can't imagine the, uh, you know, the ratings taking a huge hit. I could see them maybe dipping a little though, but I hope they don't. Is, I it, hope they don't. is it on the same time? Same time and everything. Yeah. yeah. Same time. Uh, Rampage is staying on TNT on Friday nights yeah. over here in the States. It's just Dynamite that's being moved to TBS. And that's honestly just so that they don't have to conflict with hockey every single year. Uh, that's cold. Kind of like the ice of hockey. Yeah, that Super cold. Joke, mate. That was Super cold. Joke. I know. I just had to point it out. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Takeaway number one. We kick things off the way they did. We had 10-man tag team action to kick off the uh, the New Year's Smash special. We had Matt Hardy, Private Party, and FTR going up against and defeating Christian Cage, Jurassic Express, and the Lucha Bros. And honestly, what was a pretty entertaining opening match. Mm-hmm. Anytime, anytime you get this many guys involved, especially when they're as talented as they are, it's going to be fun. Yeah, it was a whole night of uh, big smashy smashy. To be fair, it was a lot. Oh, of absolutely. Matches. Um, absolutely, yeah. we had Despite several, several on Dynamite this week. Three, in fact, of uh, multi-man matches that yeah. uh, that were very entertaining. But this was a good way to kick things off. This was a good way to further along the feud between Lucha Bros and Jurassic Express since they were on the same team. Obviously, they teased a lot of tension between those two teams because they are mm-hmm. going to be meeting for the tag titles here this week. Um, FTR picking up the victory over Christian for their team with the big rig keeps them sort of involved in the title picture, even though they're not really involved in the title picture right now for the AEW tag titles. Now, remember they are the triple a tag champions. So that, that is a lot going for them right now. And I think it's just, they're pretty much waiting for the Briscoes to show up at this point. And I feel like that's their next big feud FTRs. Yeah. I'm happy with that. But I think this match in general, seeing, you know, private party back in there and just 
killing it, man. Isaiah Cassidy, Mark Quinn, those two are are so talented. And anytime we get to see them pull off some of their high flying shit and, and look impressive in the ring, they always do. They never disappoint. And I really think the tag division in AEW is as strong as it's ever been. Obviously, we've been talking for years on this podcast how strong the tag division is within AEW. But at this point, obviously, with everybody that we have, now that we have Redragon, now that we have um, the Briscoes getting ready to show up soon, there's just so much talent in that tag division right now. It's kind of mind-blowing. Yeah, I, I, honestly, I forget half the time how many tag teams there are in AEW, and then they resurface, and you go, they're a great tag team. And yeah, so they're, they're, just, they're just flooded with great tag teams. And we need, desperately, I feel like, you know, having the AAA tag titles in the picture and on the waists of FTR certainly helps out to make it feel like it's not just centered around the AEW tag titles. Mm-hmm. But the tag division really does need more. Like, I don't I don't think we need a secondary set of tag titles, but like we keep saying here on the show, we desperately need those trios titles eventually. Yeah, and that will that will add a whole new dynamic to it. We'll- and I think it would break up the 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 tag division nicely, right? Because there's mm-hmm. so many trios that exist that also compete in the tag division because there's nowhere else to put them. Yeah. So having the trios division and having those titles would, I think, fix a lot of problems that we see with the tag division feeling overcrowded because I don't think it is overcrowded. I actually think it's awesome that they have such a strong tag division. I just wish there were more belts for them to fight for. I really do. Yeah. Speaking of trios, though, let's talk about our first trios match we had on Dynamite. Takeaway number two. We had 2.0 taking on, and that's obviously Matt Lee and Jeff Parker, mm-hmm. teaming up with Daniel Garcia, taking on Eddie Kingston, Santana, and Ortiz. I actually thought this match was not as enjoyable as the opening and potentially my least favorite match of the night, which is kind of surprising because I really like all six of these dudes, but this match kind of just felt a little rushed to me. And just kind of thrown together. Yeah. Like, it wasn't anything spectacular. It wasn't anything crazy. And I feel like the end of the match with 2.0 and Daniel Garcia picking up the victory. And then, you know, with them kind of doing the beat down on Santana and Ortiz, hitting them with the the ring bell, that kind of stuff, taking out Eddie Kingston. And then Chris Jericho eventually coming down to make the save. I felt that that was kind of a little odd because, first of all, when they were getting attacked, why did it take Jericho so long to come down to the ring, right? If he was watching, like, why did you why did you wait until, was it Santana that got blasted in the face? I think it was the one that got blasted in the face with the ring bell. Like, why did you wait till he was taken out? And that was kind of the, the stance that Eddie Kingston took when Jericho showed up, right? Like, he got up in his face. There was a little tension between the two. And if this is leading toward a program where we get to see Jericho and Kingston in a couple matches and kind of battling on the mic, that could be really entertaining. Yeah, and I knew this was going to come up, and I'm going to hate myself saying this because I've been a massive Jericho fan most of my life, but Kingston needs to go over. If if these two are going to feud, then Kingston needs to go over in this feud. Oh, I agree. I think I think it would do Eddie Kingston wonders to to come out on top in a program against Chris Jericho. Not that Eddie Kingston is some, you know, young strapping lad or anything, but mm-hmm. I think right now he has more to offer and give. Obviously Jericho yeah. is a much seasoned vet of oh, and, and, and not, not taking away anything from Eddie Kingston, but you know, comparing the accolades that Jericho has to Kingston, Jericho has a clear edge and advantage. But I think Kingston getting the rub in the victory could instantly be boosted into the main event scene once again with a victory over Jericho. Yeah, because we do, we do see with Kingston that he tends to, um, he's he's the, the upper card jobber, really. He, he gets the main event programs, but he never wins anything. So it, it's time, that if we're going to take Kingston seriously, then he needs to start getting some big wins, getting some big people. And I have to assume that Mox is going to be back within the first, like, half of this year, which should instantly 
help out Eddie Kingston once again. Yeah. Because I have to assume that when Mox comes back, they're just going to, you know, fall back into place as as friends and on screen together. So this is likely something to pass the time until then. I am actually hopeful that Mox is back sooner rather than later. Um, I hope he's doing well, actually. We haven't really heard too many updates from him as of late. So I actually hope he's doing good. Hope the rehab's going well and everything for him. Um, but I'm very excited to see what happens here between Chris Jericho and Eddie Kingston. And I kind of want to know where 2.0 and Daniel Garcia go from here. Well, it doesn't, there doesn't seem to be room for the feud to have 2.0 in there as well. No. Jericho, so, I have yeah, to assume yeah. that that feud is, is somewhat wrapping up here soon, if not already wrapped up. Uh, obviously, 2.0 is, well, specifically Matt Lee, the current BTE champion. So right. that does keep them relevant on there and, and keeps them you know involved in, in several storylines. But in all honesty, Daniel Garcia and 2.0, I think, would benefit most from those trios titles being introduced. Ooh, yeah, I didn't even think about them as being a trio team. But yeah, they definitely would. Yeah, they definitely would benefit a lot from that. Uh, takeaway number three, we had a quick squash throwaway match that, you know what, man, I'm into. We had Wardlow absolutely destroying and obliterating Colin Delaney. I think we had, what, four or five power bombs once again. And with each power bomb that Wardlow does, that crowd just gets louder and louder and more excited. They have something special with Wardlow and they know it. And they, they are building up to it perfectly when he turns on the pinnacle. Now that we know anytime Wardlow wins a title, he has to relinquish it to MJF. <laughs> I think that adds a lot to this program and further validates he will be turning somewhat soon. Yeah, so this might become a reoccurring segment, but um, this match goes down as the uh, match Sev forgot about this week. Um, I, I don't because they're so quick. They're so fast. Right? <laughs> they're, they, they last for 30 seconds to a minute. It's just Wardlow in there being a beast, hitting some you know consecutive power bombs. Sean Spears freaking out that he's doing it outside the ring, and that's pretty much it. But they're doing this solely for that crowd reaction that Wardlow is getting. Yeah, but I will add that. Yeah, I do love that stipulation when Mark Sterling walked in and uh, started saying that if he wins the if he if he wins a belt, then MJF's going to take it off him. He's, we just know there that that's that's when he's going to turn and he's going to win a belt, and MJF's going to try and take it, and he's, he's not going to have it. So. so, do we think Wardlow is actually on a collision course, maybe for the TNT Championship here soon? Because be that's nice. what they keep that's what they keep referencing, right? They keep talking about Wardlow going for the TNT title. Yeah, and they say about a ladder match coming up. We've got a, is it another brass ring match? Or face Maybe. Of the TNT? That I'm might sure be at Revolution. I think that's a, that was at Revolution last year, so I would imagine they do it again this year. Okay, so smart money's uh, smart Mark Sterling's on Wardlow to win that one. Then. Yeah, and when he does, you know, I have to assume that that is going to cause some major tension between him and MJF, and I can't wait, man. I can't wait till he turns. It's going to be massive. It is going to be massive. Uh, takeaway number four. Speaking of the TNT Championship, we did have an in-ring promo between Dan Lambert, Men of the Year, and Brandy Rhodes. How did you feel on this segment, Sev? Uh, this one was okay, but it did seem like they were just trying to out-shock each other by, um, yeah, calling each other strippers and whores and stuff like that. It was a bit odd uh, that that's the route they wanted to take. I think Brandy did okay during this. But I have severe issues when she gets on the mic and tries to be very ghetto because I, I don't feel like <laughs> she probably had that kind of upbringing. Right, okay. And when she talks about it and when she harps on it on the mic, it comes off as not natural because I have okay. a hard time believing what she's saying because I don't feel like she actually went through a lot of what she said. Yeah, so I just gonna state that I didn't grow up in the ghetto, so I don't understand the ghetto, the ghetto, ghetto um, persona. Is there even a ghetto where... in? Is there even like ghettos or like areas that you would consider like that in in the UK? I mean, there has to be. Uh, yeah, yeah, there has to be, but mainly around me, it's more sure, fields and sheep. So there's no ghettos around here. Fields um, and sheep. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> um, 
So yeah, when when Brandy gets on the mic, I just I just find her funny. I remember was it? I can't remember who she was doing a promo against a while back, and she she storms down the entry ramp. She shouts something like that bitch, and then she. It was Jade. Yeah, it was against Jade Cargill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was against Jade during the during the time when it was supposed to be her and Cody, the Shaq and Jade, but Brandy got pregnant, so they replaced her with Red Velvet. Yes, yes, that's right. Yeah, I I I don't hate Brandy on the mic. I think no, I don't hate Brandy either. I actually think she's incredibly talented. Uh, very pretty. Like Brandy Rhodes is um is is definitely a smart mind for the business, and I think she is a big help in the women's division. She's not a terrible wrestler either. She's definitely put in a lot of work. She's improved a lot over the years. I just have a, a, a strong disconnect every time she's on the mic. Okay. This, this segment didn't do much for me. Unfortunately, you know, it was just kind of to further along the program between Cody Rhodes and men of the year right now, leading into mm-hmm. the match on rampage. Um, obviously we had Dustin come out, right? Dustin Rhodes was out there defending Brandy Rhodes' honor a little bit. Um, I don't know. This one was okay. Yeah. It, it didn't do much for me, though. No, Dustin didn't look very strong coming out of this one. He came in the ring, and then he got blindsided with one hit, and then just died. So, right. right. And then he kind of took off into the crowd, uh, much like they did on Rampage. They they kind of did the same spot on Rampage as well during right. the uh, during the main event. <laughs> so we'll talk about that when we get to it. Takeaway number yeah. five. We had our final semifinal match in the TBS title tournament. We had Thunder Rosa taking on Jade Cargill with the winner moving on to face Ruby Soho in the finals to determine the first ever TBS Women's Champion on this Wednesday night. Mm -hmm. And kind of like we assumed or kind of like I assumed... I think you no yeah you took you took Jade to uh, go over Thunder Rosa as well. You just thought it would be Jade and, and Nyla Rose in the finals. I thought it would be Jade and Jade and Ruby, but I wanted Jade and Nyla. That's right, that's right, and it is Jade and Ruby. Like I said, we are getting those the Battle of the Gemstones for the first ever TBS title. I think that is the right call for the main event, yeah. and. As, as we have been talking about, I still feel like this is Jade Cargill's match to lose. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm just so fearful that everyone is going to be like, see, she won because of everything that happened with Big Swole. Right, and it's just not true. It, yeah. It's not true at all. And this was a good match. This was a yeah, was really, a good really good match between Thunder Rosa and Jade Cargill. I thought both girls looked really strong. Obviously, Thunder Rosa is incredible, but Jade Cargill, man... She is one of the standouts right now in the women's division. She has mm-hmm. the look. She has the physique. She has she has a fuck ton of charisma, man. She is so good, and so is smart Mark Sterling. He is great <laughs> as her mouthpiece. He is great as her, you know, kind of backing. And now we also have Mercedes Martinez kind of backing Jade Cargill. At least it would seem. Yeah, she's it. she interfered. She cost uh, Thunder Rosa the match. We'll just have to see uh, where this leads if she is. Was she paid for a one-time deal? Did Mark Sterling pay her for a one-time interference, or is she on the payroll? Are they um, are they best friends now? But I assume, I assume this is what is going to divert Thunder Rosa. Thunder Rosa, oh, you cost me my chance at the at the title. We're going to have a little feud feud with her and uh, Mercedes Martinez. So that'd be pretty cool to see. I have to assume this is leading towards a match between them, right? Like, and I feel like I and I made a comment in Discord that I I said I was hoping that Mercedes Martinez wasn't the only big debut and surprise for dynamite this week and she was and that's nothing against mercedes martinez that's just not like super exciting to me in terms of a signing first of all she's already been there she's been in AEW before and then she went and signed with wwe for a bit they released her and now she's back with AEW. so Mm -hmm. i think mercedes martinez could be utilized in a very similar role as serena deeb Somebody, somebody that has a ton of experience in wrestling, you know, has been around in women's divisions in so many different promotions for, you know, over a decade now, has a crap ton of experience and can really help boost some of these younger girls and, and really help out with training and, and really just improve the overall in-work in the women's division. And I have a feeling that's what she's going to be utilized for. But I will say I'm very excited for the matches between Thunder Rosa and Mercedes Martinez. I think those will be excellent matches. Uh, We got a couple in-ring promos next for takeaways number six and seven. First of all, we had the Jacksonville Daily's Place debut of CM Punk 
which was kind of nice for him to show up there. It was kind of surreal getting to see guys like him at Daly's place after, you know, we we spent the entire pandemic of 2020 and everything seeing shows with no crowd at Daly's place and how how it felt so small. And now we have people like Brian Danielson and, and CM Punk at Daly's place on Dynamite. It's just it's full circle. It's really cool. I enjoyed this a lot. And I enjoyed that he was able to pay tribute to Brody Lee and and everything during this promo. Like, it was really well done. I'm excited about the potential between, you know, because this, this promo also furthered along the potential match upcoming between MJF and CM Punk. But I almost feel like with CM Punk referencing MJF's quest to, like, try to get involved in the title picture that they might be putting a pin in the potential match between CM Punk and MJF until later this year. I don't know if we're going to get it as soon as we thought initially. Yeah, I think I think we might get a little bit more from the pair of them together. As we were saying before with the Wardlow thing, if Wardlow does take the TND Championship at Revolution, um, is there really time for MJF to start another feud with somebody else? Or is he good this? Because I, I fully expect once Wardlow turns, the feud is going to be Wardlow-MJF. For a, for a good little while, yeah. So yeah, yeah. It could even be um a, a long time down the line. I don't know how long Punk will wait for a, for a title belt, but um a long time down the line, with MJF's got the AEW World Championship, and then Punk strolls on down the ramp, and it's like, hey, I'm back. Let's just, I'm gonna take this from you. And MJF knows that he can do it. Punk and MJF would be a great match in general, mm-hmm. but with a title on the line, yeah. would be even more special. So they might be saving it, especially again with with Wardlow's turn seeming inevitable at any week at this point like I feel like it could happen Mm -hmm. at any time it likely will happen once he once he captures that brass ring and and whatever happens with the TNT title but it theoretically could happen at any time and that's going to be the major feud for MJF when it does so I'll have to see we will have to see takeaway number seven like I said we had back-to-back in-ring promos we had kind of a short one but honestly one of my favorite moments from Dynamite with Brian Pillman Jr. in the ring And cutting a promo on Malachi Black and talking about his dad, Brian Pillman, and how, you know, one of the major things he learned from him, he never got to meet him because he was too young when when Pillman passed away. And one of the major things that he learned from his dad was that you only have one life. And how, how upset he was, the tears in his eyes, the emotion, I'm very very behind this and I think Pillman Jr. killed this and I'm very excited to see what they do next week or this week actually on Dynamite with with Pillman and and Malachi Black I don't think Pillman wins but I think he has a much stronger showing than Griff Garrison did and this is another possibility for us to see Brody King debut yep I don't expect Pillman to win at all um but let's see what this this new Brian Pillman Jr. is and what he's got so I am excited to see it I am excited for this match, though. I think uh, I think there's more to be excited about here between Malachi and Pillman than there was Malachi and Griff, so I'm actually excited to see what they do. Our eighth and final takeaway from Dynamite this past Wednesday night, we had more trios action. We had the debut of the Undisputed Era, basically, in AEW. So we had Adam Cole, Bobby Fish, and Kyle O'Reilly taking on the trio of best friends, Chuck Taylor, Trent, and Orange Cassidy. This match was really really good and really fun oh yeah this this was heaps of fun lots of cool spots lots of near falls i I really enjoyed this this was my favorite match of the night to be fair yeah definitely i think the best match of the night by far um you know we had a lot of the classic undisputed era trio stuff going on in this match Mm -hmm. i cannot wait to see the further along of the storyline between them, the Young Bucks, obviously when Kenny Omega officially returns, that's going to be massive. Um, Not surprised, obviously, that Cole Fish and O'Reilly got the victory here. I don't think there was any way they were losing their debut as a trios. So that just made a ton of sense to me. And honestly, this felt like a good end to the TNT era of Dynamite. Mm-hmm. We had best friends who have been a complete staple on AEW programming since it began, along with the Undisputed Era, who were the staple on NXT during the Wednesday Night Wars. Right. And now we're closing out Dynamite in 2021 on TNT with both guys, or both trios, I should say, in the ring together. This felt like a good wrap-up. 
And I feel like this did a lot to further along the storyline between the elite more so than anything else. Yeah, it definitely did uh, with uh, Kyle O'Reilly accidentally kicking Adam Cole and the, the Bucks coming out to make sure Cole was okay. Brandon Cutler was out there as well. He was, yeah, a little bit of Cutler. Had a little bit of Cutler. Had a little bit of the cold spray. Mm. A little bit of the face mask. <laughs> But yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I'm sure we're going to get teasers of uh, um, Fish and O'Reilly trying to sway uh, Cole to stay on their side and the Bucks trying to stay Cole, to keep Cole on their side. And he'll be in the middle and we'll all be like, who's he going to choose? And eventually he'll turn on all four of them and he'll make a new stable. Maybe. That would be entertaining. Yeah. I, That's my uh, wild card How prediction. long do we he'll think Kenny Omega is going to be out? Do you have any predictions as to like when we see him again? For a pay per view, that's for sure. So, Absolutely, um, full, gear full gear is November. Maybe I think he'd have to be year, back before it? November. Double or nothing in May sounds potential. I don't know that he's back in time for for Revolution in March because no, I do I know he needed he you know some serious time off, some serious rest, some serious recovery periods. Um, but I could see by you know the second half of the year him being back and us getting a pretty incredible program between. Omega, the Bucks, and the Undisputed Era. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd be happy to see Kenny back. I do feel, though, it's nice to nice to not have him be the center of attention at the moment because while he was there, he very much was. Absolutely, um, and rightfully nice so. Let, uh, I mean, he's amazing. He's one of the best in the world, so rightfully so. <laughs> um, but it's nice, it's nice to let everyone else uh, breathe and flourish a little without, without sitting underneath his shadow. Um, but yeah, hopefully once once he's back, they'll have grown enough and we can have a lots and lots of great feuds with them. Mm-hmm. So talking star rating for Dynamite this week, I enjoyed it. I think it was... It was good. Again, not great. Um, Let's go three and a half stars for Dynamite this week. Mm-hmm. Okay. Since you guys don't do like, you don't seem to do point point stars, I would have gone 3.25. Yeah, we don't we do not do the point two fives yeah. or anything. We just do like a three, 3.5, 4, et cetera yeah, here on I the show. I would have gone 3.25, but I think I'm going to sit at a three. It was a good show. But um, it was nothing amazing. Okay, yeah, I agree with that. I know I gave it a little bit higher than I did last week. I think I enjoyed this Dynamite a little bit more than last week's Dynamite, so I went a little higher. But they definitely have been just good, not great lately. And I did see a story that Cody Rhodes put out in an interview within the last few days talking about how every show for AEW... They really need to strive and push for an A plus show as well, you know. And and that's right, okay. they they he what did he say exactly? He feels like they can't have a B plus show or something like that. Like they're only capable of putting on A plus shows. And I don't know that I agree with that exactly. I feel like you know the last few weeks of AEW have been good, but not necessarily A plus five star shows. Yeah, like AEW to me is very much like pizza. Even when it's bad, it's still pretty good. It's still freaking um, good. It's still yeah, pizza, yeah. and so, there's still a lot to enjoy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there are some bad pizzas out there, but it's hard to find them yeah, because yeah. pizza's pizza and pizza's good. Now, if you put pineapple on it, I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't know about no, that. No, pineapple's oh. good on pizza, but let's not get into that. <laughs> let's move on to Rampage. We had a special Rampage this past Friday night for New Year's Eve, ringing in the new year with Dynam- or I'm sorry, with Rampage and AEW. Honestly, I enjoyed the shit out of Rampage this past week. Yeah. So let's talk about it. Takeaway number one, okay. we had singles action between Darby Allen and Anthony Bowens. I think we all assumed Darby Allen was going to mm-hmm. get the victory here. The match was kind of on the quicker side, right? It lasted a decent amount of time, but I felt like there was still more to offer in this match from both Darby Allen and Anthony Bowens, mm-hmm. two amazing guys in the ring. Obviously, Darby is on fire right now, had to assume he was going to get the victory, and he did. But I feel like there could have been just a little bit more in this match. It was still entertaining. It was still enjoyable. But I wanted a little bit more out of this one, I think, in the end. Yeah, I thought this match was okay. Um, it could have probably gone a little bit longer, but once it was done, it was done. I was all right with it. I was ready to move on. I agree. I agree. And it was nice to see, obviously, Andrade come out after Darby Allen picked oh, up yeah, the victory. Yeah. And if we're going to get a program between Darby and Andrade, that would be really fun. I'd rather, I'd rather see Andrade sting, but yeah, go on and love Andrade, Alan. Well, I think there's potential for that in, 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 the, in the program of this feud. I think Sting obviously is heavily involved anytime Darby yeah. is involved. That's clear as day. 
So we could potentially get like Andrade and somebody. I don't necessarily know who against Darby and Sting for sure at some point. Yeah, see, I would have picked Flair a while ago, but I don't think Flair's on the cards anymore, is he? Oh my God. That might be it, Sev. I think there's still potential. Do you think? There was the whole the, the airplane ride from hell thing that came out not so long ago. I obviously think there's... Ric Flair is the name yeah. that everybody knows, is a name that tends to bring yeah. eyes, and even with all of the controversy surrounding him, I feel like he still shows up in AEW at some point. And, and because Andrade's there, I think it's inevitable, and because I feel like Charlotte's going to be there eventually... <laughs> It's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time. And seeing, honestly, you know what? I would I would not want to see Sting versus Ric Flair in a singles match. They did that on the final Nitro, did they not, of, of WCW era? Like, I think it was, yeah, yeah. I think that was like one of the final matches for WCW Nitro. I don't know that we need to see Sting v. Ric Flair, but it would be cool as shit to see Sting and Darby Allin v. Andrade and Ric Flair. That would be incredible. That's a pay-per-view match right there. Yeah, yeah. I think we just need to see a Sting and Ric Flair face-off, to be honest. I'll be happy with that. For the AEW title. Yeah, yeah. Flair, Flair, Flair would, Flair would somehow that. win. Yeah. <laughs> so, that would be fun. He'd somehow win. Uh, takeaway number two. We had our vignette with Taz and Hook, the technique by Taz or whatever they called it, where it. they just kind of ran down <laughs> some stuff that Hook does in the ring and talking about how impressive it actually is. Oh, yeah. I was, uh, so... I was into it, man. This is the kind of stuff I was talking about last mm-hmm. week. We can have Hook yeah, on the yeah. show without having him in a match. Yes, I, this I was perfect. This up like a bowl of cereal. It was, uh, it was great. And if Taz wants to do this every week, I'll, I'll take it. I think we get stuff like this as opposed to just him in matches. And I think it's a great way to keep him on. And I, I, I honestly, I hope they don't just relegate it to Rampage. Like, I hope Rampage isn't just Hook's show. I want to see this kind of shit on Dynamite, too. Yeah, I know JR mentioned Hook on Dynamite, didn't he? Uh, he was like, oh, yeah, this guy's super impressive. But nice to, nice to hear JR just mention Hook, to be fair. Yeah, nice to have JR back after oh, uh, yeah. beating skin cancer, I, I and he is cancer-free, uh, which CM is Punk, the uh, best yeah, news was, anyone nice could get. CM Punk would acknowledge uh, JR back and give him his dues. That was very nice. Takeaway number three, Sev. We have a street fight between Anna J. And Ty Conti, TJ, yep. taking on the Bunny and Penelope Ford. By far, by far, this was the best match in AEW this week. Okay. I personally, um, I thought it was a bit quick off the bat when it started. Obviously, uh, the Bunny took the knuckles straight away. She bladed straight away. The Bunny bladed. Um, and then we got well, 30, 40 seconds into the match, the table spot that Penelope Ford didn't break the table on. So it just felt like they opened and they rushed super quick into trying to get big spots off and it kind of put the pace off a little for me. Um, there were some very nice spots in this match. It was very cool to see um, the girls doing doing what they were doing. Um, but yeah, personally, I didn't think it was the uh, the best street fight I've seen or the best match of the week. See, I, I think, and I will say I don't think it was the best street fight AEW's done. That clearly still goes to Best Friends and Santana and Ortiz. That was incredible. But... Mm-hmm. Um, I think them rushing into the violence made sense because of how much these two teams or, you know, these two groups of girls are supposed to hate each other. So coming into this, knowing it's a street fight, obviously Ty Conti came out with like a trash can full of shit. They were all ready to go with weapons and just started swinging right away. I didn't think that provided too much of a disconnect because I feel like it made sense for the storyline. Like they just went right at each other. And started beating the ever-living fuck out of one another. Okay. And it made sense for the story. And there was so much blood, dude. I wasn't expecting three out of the four girls. I think the only one that didn't blade was Penelope Ford. And, and, I, and I don't know if Ty Conti bladed. Her blood looked a little fake. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It, it dried up pretty quick and, uh, and looked a little discolored. But the bunny was profusely bleeding the entire match profusely bleeding and she already has this you know kind of crazy chick persona going on but with the blood running down her face and the way she was able to kind of feed off of that and interact with it throughout the match and just kind of even appear more sadistic and crazy 
I think the blood benefited her the most. Yeah, she's definitely uh, she's definitely got a crazy look about her, hasn't she? She does the little head tilt. Yeah, the head tilt and the... She really does. The scary eyes. And honestly, I'm not surprised that Penelope Ford and Ty Conti were unable to break that table. Neither one of them weigh that much. <laughs> Literally bounced off the table. It bounced, <laughs> it just dude. Didn't look like, I know she jumped bounced off the, top off the table. To the I'm not surprised. Obviously, they uh, they were wow. able to get a table to break later on when when Ty Conti did her um, pile driver, yeah, yeah. yeah, through the uh, through the table on the outside mm -hmm. to Penelope Ford, which was like the lead up to the end of the match. Seeing Ty Conti, or I'm sorry, seeing Anna J wrap her arm in barbed wire. Mm -hmm. And then apply the the Queen Slayer. I thought was a really nice touch onto the bunny. Um, I enjoyed the shit out of this match, man. I think all four of these girls have a lot to be proud of here. Oh yeah, I'm not taking away anything from them. It was it was very good um, to watch. As I said, my only issue was there was um, no flow. There I was no they, flow to this match. Into big spots like too quickly. Yeah, I, I wanted a, li a little. I can understand them coming in and hating each other and wanting to smack the shit out of each other. I just don't think table spots should be. In the first 30 seconds of your match, I don't think uh, blading should be in the first 30 seconds of your match. It should build just a little bit. Yeah. And it also, it probably wasn't as good as Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa's street fight either, right? Like, that was incredible. Oh, yes. The uh, the Paddy's Day smash or whatever that one was. Called. Yeah, the yeah. St. Patrick's Day thing that they did last March was absolutely incredible. I wonder if they'll do, they seem to, to kind of stick with the same themed episodes. I wonder if they'll have another St. Patrick's Day themed dynamite on the 16th of march the day after saint patrick's day this year they probably will they probably will do that again i would have to assume um our fourth and final takeaway from rampage this week was for the tnt championship we had cody rhodes defending against ethan page i think we all kind of assumed cody rhodes wasn't going to lose already I was hoping Ethan Page would get the victory like we talked about last week. I think Ethan Page deserves a title right now more than Scorpio Sky does. I think he's just got everything going for him right now. Um, but there was there was no chance he was defeating Cody here. No chance this week. No, I, I like Ethan Page. I do want to see him, I do want to see them put a belt on him, but I didn't think that I didn't think they'd let Cody go over. I think that hmm I think Cody will lose the title after not a long period of time, maybe a couple weeks, maybe a month or so, but I have to assume Cody is going to drop the TNT title, whether it is to Wardlow, whether it is to somebody else soon. I enjoyed this match. I thought this was really well done. I think Ethan Page looked really strong here. I think Cody Rhodes looked great in this match. I was actually surprised with how mixed the reaction was for Cody Rhodes this week. It's generally been, you know, pretty, pretty anti-Cody, Cody sucks type of crowds. But in Jacksonville at Daly's Place, where they made a name for themselves, he was still pretty over. Now, it was still split. There were still a lot of Cody sucks coming throughout the crowd, but there was a lot of support for Cody as well. And I know that that is situational with different cities, right? Everyone is is going to be somewhat different in terms of reception for, for somebody like Cody, who is so divisive. Uh, we had Dustin come out again during this and brawl, I think, with Scorpio Sky up into the crowd, just like we saw on, on Dynamite. As I mentioned, they kind of did the same spot twice this week for that. It was an enjoyable match, though. I did enjoy it. I thought this was really well done. I just wish they would have given the title to Ethan Page already. Cody could have been a one-week champion for all I care. Transitional champion. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I very much hope that Cody is a transitional champion and that uh, he drops it pretty soon. Cause... I hope so, too. Do we ever think that they'll uh, they'll get back to the point where Cody is able to be in the world title picture? I know that the stipulation was if he lost initially, he would never go for it again. But I, I, I think there's potential that they might be able to backtrack on that somehow. Yeah, I mean, they could. They, it's very possible they could work a storyline that does that. But in all, in all honesty, with all the cards on the table and who they've got on their roster, I don't want Cody Rhodes at the top of the picture. There are much. There are more, me neither. He more doesn't people, need to be. Yeah, exactly. More people that can take that spot, and more people that not not deserve that spot, but should be in that spot rather than Cody Rhodes. Um, Absolutely. I agree with that 100%. Like, it's it's nice to have him in high-profile storylines and, like, you know, he's a major name. 
and a major player for AEW. So he's not going anywhere, but he doesn't necessarily have to be in a title picture ever at this point. So we'll have to see what they do. Uh, Star rating for Rampage this week. I actually think I enjoyed Rampage more than Dynamite. I think I would land at four stars for Rampage this week. Yeah, so I was going to go three and a half, but we had some hook in there, so we're going four Hook stars. is always worth a bump he up. <laughs> he got a full star last week from you. A full a full star bump up last week. This week, just a yeah, half star he, bump he up. He didn't swagger down to the ring this week, so if he swaggers down to the ring, oh, full star. Incredible. If I just see a picture or JR mentions him, then he's getting half star. So we're, we're, we're in agreement then. Four stars this week for Rampage. Yeah. A, yeah. Por- a portion of that, obviously, Good because show. of Hook. <laughs> Sev, unfortunately, that's going to bring us to the close of the show this week. We have a lot to look forward to for AEW this week. Three shows. Don't forget, we have Wednesday Night Dynamite on TBS from Newark, New Jersey. We have Rampage on Friday night. And we have the first TNT special of 2022, the Battle of the Belts, this Saturday night as well. So we have three shows to uh, to consume on top of Dynamo. I'm sorry, on top of Dark and Elevation. So theoretically, five shows this week for AEW. Let's see what we got in store on Wednesday night on Dynamite. We have Malachi Black taking on Brian Pillman Jr. We have the Lucha Bros defending the AEW Tag Team Titles against Jurassic Express. We have Ruby Soho taking on Jade Cargill in the finals of the TBS title tournament to determine the first ever champion. And of course, we have Adam Page defending the AEW World Heavyweight title against Brian Danielson for the second time. And this time, there will be three judges present at ringside to ensure a winner. This uh, this does sound like a really good dynamite, though. There's a lot of great matches that, that are here on this show. Um, so it should be a good week. I am hoping, because um, I like to make stupid predictions, that when we start the Adam Page-Danielson match, that Page goes for a bro kick, see if he can uh, defeat Danielson in eight seconds. And <laughs> a little nod to that would be, uh, uh, yeah, that's where my mind went. So we'll see if uh, we'll see if that happens. Oh my God, that would be incredible. It's happened before. <laughs> could definitely happen again. You know, I have to assume we'll probably get a Wardlow squash match on Dynamite again, too. <laughs> I have to assume we'll get that. But that's all we know for Dynamite so far this week. That's all we know. We don't know anything for Rampage yet. They've not announced any matches for this Friday night on Rampage. And we only know one match so far for Battle of the Belts this Saturday night. Britt Baker will be defending the AEW Women's Championship against Riho. So I think, I think between all of that, we just need a TNT title match at some point this week. And we'll have every title on the line this week. But unfortunately, Sev, that is going to bring us to the close of the show this week. Unless you have anything else you wanted to mention before we get on out of here. No, I'm done. I am ready to make my pick because I've been holding on to this one all week. Oh, man. I can't wait to hear what you've got. But before we do, we want to thank you for sticking with us and listening to another episode of Blood and Destroyers, an all-elite wrestling podcast made possible, of course, by RPGera.com. Want to help us and grow the show? Subscribe and spread the word. Details on ways to do just that can be found in the show notes on whichever podcast app you've chosen to listen to us on. And while you're checking in there, remember to click that link for our Discord server so you can chat with us live during all of AEW's shows. Uh, We've got three this week, so now's the time. Now is the time. Theme song of the week. Last week I went with uh, FTR's latest theme there, their second one in AEW. What a great theme that is. But Sev, it's your choice this week. What is our theme song of the week? So theme song of the week I found earlier in the week, and it's, uh, it's a nightmare of a tune. And you can all jump into Discord to tell me how much you love it or how much you hate the fact that I made you listen to it. But uh, this week, we're going to go with the Reba Giggle. They've only played this, I think, once on like on, right. on TV. And it is right. nightmare fuel, <laughs> for sure. This, this, this theme, I can't believe it exists. I'm happy that it mm-hmm. does exist. And I think it would be incredible to hear her walk out to this music in like a singles match at some point. So we're going to close out this week with the Reba Giggle, our theme song of the week. Now hit the music. Enjoy. Everyone smile. What is a dentist's favorite dinosaur? A velociraptor. 